In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to become a profitable entrepreneur. All the tools you need, we're going to do it with Derek Lido. You're about to hear it all on today's episode of the Profit First Podcast. Mm. Uh, uh, you can cry, Amy. Ah, uh, there you go. Just got the first spot taken over. I mean, you, you threw a grunt right in there. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to our show. I am Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First and Clockwork. I know you got that book. And listen, if you don't have the book, pick it up right now. Along with others, Pumpkin Plan and so forth. And you, my friends, you're listening to the Profit First podcast, the only show on the entire interweb. You know what the interweb is? I know. Oh. <laughs> Dedicated. It's an old lady crack. It's an old lady crack. <laughs> dedicated. You're not an old lady. Dedicated to making your bottom line your top focus. And I'm joined in the studio with Amy Cartelli. Hi. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Tunes and Radio, Google Play, Spotify, Profit First, po- Profit First Podcast.com. Yeah. Any podcatcher, anywhere you hear a podcast. Now, you're like, who's that? Who's that voice? So, Amy is filling in the co host role. Our Kelsey Ayers is away on uh, what's going to equate to a one-month vacation <laughs> on the podcast world. It's, it's really, she's away for a week. Um, and Amy, who's been, do you love Kelsey? I love Kelsey. Who, what can, who doesn't love Kelsey? Do you love Kelsey, Jeremy? Jeremy yeah. loves her. We yeah. all love Kelsey. Everyone loves Kelsey. Um, this is her first vacation in three years, so <gasps> we are missing her. I know that. I know, I know. I got her a bottle of wine to, to send her off the That's right way. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, so Amy's filling in. Amy's been working here in the office for about six months. Six months. Six months. Mm-hmm. Six months now, and um, she works for Kelsey, and now she's taking over Kelsey's job. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, and we, by the way, we got a special offer for you before we kick in today's show. If you want a free copy of Profit First, actually, Amy will be the one who's shipping it to you. Yes, I you will. can get it. Here's what we're. Here's the trade-off. Give us an honest review on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show. Give us an honest review, take a screenshot of it, send it to Kelsey. It's Kelsey at MikeMichalowicz.com and say, here's my screen review. Now give me the darn book for free and we'll send you a hard copy of Profit First. Um, also, in case you didn't know, we have a free copy of Surge. That's another one of my books available for you right now. You can go to MikeMichalowicz.com and uh, pick that up for free. By the way, if you can't spell Mike Michalowicz, which I struggle with, Go to MikeMotorbike.com, and you can pick it up right there. Okay? Okay. All right, so, Aim, uh, what have you been up to? Like, Just to- trying to not be a swamp creature, basically. Because what does that mean? It's been raining for four days straight in New Jersey, has it not? Is it four days? It's it feels four- like it's been four days. Yeah, and does your basement get flooded at your house? It used to. We just literally spent two weekends waterproofing it. it was yeah, you, you and Chris, I saw something on Facebook. You yes. and Chris were, like, hauling out. I saw a oh. picture of your backyard on Facebook with tarps and stuff. Yes. It was pitiful. Is it? Is your basement all cleared out? It's all cleared out. It's all cleaned out. It's all waterproofed. It's all remediated from asbestos. It's just, it's beautiful. Is it's it beautiful. A, is it a finished basement? No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> I'm still going in that concrete place and just breathing sighs of relief that it's all over. Maybe we should have our high school reunion there. Yeah, in my unfinished basement. Yeah, well, that's That would I, be phenomenal. It would be just like high school. No, I was saying, it's reminiscent of like high school. Just like high school. So for those of you who just figured that one out, Amy and I went to high school together. We're back in the town where we both grew up, and uh, this is where our office is. And uh, Amy and I got, what's the word, schnookered? Is that the word of the day, Jeremy? Schnookered. Schnookered into being on the committee. Um, For our high school reunion. Yeah. And uh, I do think we should make it very high school-like. We should have it in your basement. Uh-huh. You Just supply the weed again like you used to. Sure, sure. And 
You bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Good times. All right. Um, You you don't have the listener mail, do you? Uh, Uh, I have the... I do have the listener mail. Oh, okay. So first, let's read the listener shout out, and then later we'll do the listener mail question. So what's the shout out? Who's it from? Uh, The shout out is from Leslie Crabtree, and she says, my boyfriend recently uh, bought me your book because I've been bookkeeping all my life with... Um, with my own finances, and he knew I'd be interested. I haven't put your book down since. Leslie, you complete me. (laughs) First of all, your boyfriend sounds really remarkable. He does. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah, first date. A catch. First date. Here, read this. (laughs) It's a great book. Um, I do want to thank our corporate partners before we bring our guest on. I want to thank Nextiva, Receipt Bank. Actually, it's the only two. (laughs) So Receipt Bank and Nextiva. Thank you so much for your support. We'll share more details on them in a little bit. But let's get to the essence of today's episode. All those tools you need to have a profitable business. There's one guy who knows it. His name is Derek Lido, and he teaches you how. Why? Derek Lido is the former CEO of International Rectifier and the founder of iSupply, a leading marketing research firm, which he sold in 2010 for $100 million. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. What would you do with 100 mil? Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, I would start with your basement. I would, <laughs> I would, I would rectify your basement. Yeah, I'd finish my basement. Yeah, um, I'd clean that up. Give yours. us a decent reunion place. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, Derek has two books on entrepreneurship, Building on Bedrock, January 2018, fa- available at all your favorite bookstores. Amazon always has the best price, in my opinion, though. And Startup Leadership, which came out in 2014. He is currently a professor at Princeton University, where he teaches entrepreneurship, innovation, and creativity. It is my pleasure to invite Derek Lido to our show. Derek, welcome. Hey, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. So, been looking uh, forward to it. Oh, it's a, it's a it's a joy to have you. It's interesting to hear that such a prestigious university has what I consider a non-traditional professor. You've actually lived what you teach. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and uh, often living by my wits too. <laughs> you know, survive. But um, that has taught me a lot, although it's also taught me to be skeptical that just because um, I experience something means that I understand how to uh, tell other people how to live their lives or make a profit. And so I'm very skeptical of, of you know, people that might write memoirs and, you know, uh, say that that's gospel. So uh, the last eight years that I've been here uh, teaching at Princeton, uh, my mission has been to really dig into the research and understand how entrepreneurship actually works. So when it it comes to uh, teaching entrepreneurship, you know, some things can only be taught through experience. Your program was curious. Do you do some experiential learning, or how do you convey all these important lessons to your students? I think experiential uh, learning is essential. It's <laughs> you, you, you're not going to do it in the classroom, sitting listening to somebody drone on for an hour at a time, and then answering a few multiple choice questions at the end of the semester. Uh, this is this is all about prospering in the real world where things are so complicated that, um, you know, whatever you were taught in school doesn't apply to, you know, what you're experiencing in real time. So we have to get people um, 
intuitions and instincts and, and basic understanding to the point where they know how to react uh, to the complicated uh, emotional experiences that they'll be going through, you know, certainly to start a company from scratch. Yeah, I want to talk about the emotional uh, componentry. But first, I want to talk about your book, Building on Bedrock. Uh, you profiled some pretty famous folks uh, in the entrepreneurial space. Who were the folks? And uh, let's start building out the lessons that you've learned for our listeners. Yeah, so um, I profile people like Sam Walton, Walt Disney, Estee Lauder, Ray Kroc as, um, as examples that maybe we've forgotten in, uh, to uh, learn from today when we tend to be focused more on uh, Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg. Um, and yet entrepreneurship is so basic that um, these classic entrepreneurs have lessons that, uh, to teach us that we've tended to forget with our you know, fixation on those that have gotten wealthy quickly in our you know, young lifetime. And, okay, so uh, what are some of the lessons? Well, um, so the, the book's organized as uh, who, what, when, where, how, if, and, and the like. So it's basically meant to lead you through what um, the facts say about uh, how you succeed as an entrepreneur. And they use, it uses the stories of these famous entrepreneurs and a few not-so-famous entrepreneurs to illustrate uh, who's an entrepreneur. It's, it's not necessarily who you think. It's not these um, you know, fantastically brilliant uh, computer programming uh, dropouts, college dropouts. Mm -hmm. it, it's actually uh, more likely to be somebody that's your next-door neighbor uh, who may have finished college, but maybe not. And they're more, just as likely to be super successful as, uh, you know, a college dropout, no matter what good grades they got or bad grades they got in school. So I was, uh, it's funny, I wrote a um, cynical article about how to become a successful entrepreneur. Step one, get into an Ivy League school, Princeton, Harvard. Step two, drop out your freshman year. Uh, step three, start business, get uh, you know VCs to back you. Step four, make your hundred million or hundred billion. Exactly. And yeah, sadly though, Derek, I think that is the perception of what entrepreneurship is. Not, and that's not the guy that lives a on Main Street Boom here. Problem. It's a huge problem in our society and culture right now. Right. Mm. So if you look at the facts. Um, what you just described as a VC-backed, you know, Ivy League graduate that makes $100 million or more quickly represents less than 0.1% of all entrepreneurs. Mm. Wow. 99.9% wow. of entrepreneurs are what I call bedrock entrepreneurs. And they build their businesses slow and steady. And they reinvest their profits to fund their growth. And they build their businesses based upon what they want to personally get out of the business rather than what their investors, particularly venture capitalists, are saying uh, that they need 
to make a, a good return on the shares that they invested in. And, and so bedrock entrepreneurs actually create more than 90% of all the value created by startups in the Western world and particularly in the U.S. So this isn't, they're not, you know, the, the exception. They are the rule and they're what we should be focused on when we talk about entrepreneurs. So both my eyebrows and Amy's eyebrows rose up when you said what they personally want. Like that was your words. You said these yeah. entrepreneurs, these bedrock entrepreneurs start businesses that they personally want with, based on what they personally want to get out of it as opposed to what the VCs or investors are seeking to get out of it. Exactly. Tell me about that differentiator. Well, uh, so the, that differentiator is when, when you create a business – uh, and to create a self-sustaining business without investors where, where you are in totally in control, you do need to focus on profits because those are the things that you're going to reinvest to, to grow upon. And when there are your profits and your business is growing on profits, then you run your business to be as, uh, fulfilling as possible. And ultimately, um, Again, one of these things that gets lost in all our conversations is what entrepreneurship is really all about fundamentally. The fundamental principle of entrepreneurship is that it's about making other people happy enough that they're going to gladly give you money in return. Oh and if you're going to do that as a business, you want to be making people happy in such a way that you feel fulfilled about it or, or else you're not going to do it for very long. And so that that's what you see in all these successful businesses out there are that there are people that really enjoy <laughs> what they're doing. And fundamentally what they're doing is making other people so happy that they gladly open up their pocketbooks and give money in return. Hey, Amy, did you see the recent news release about Elon Musk and like, almost like a nervous breakdown? There was an article about that. No, I didn't see anything about this. Okay. So this is, uh, Derek, tell me this is, this is what you read. Maybe about three, four weeks ago, he posts on Twitter that there is a private, uh, they're, they're going to buy back the stock of their company and make it private again, which then makes the stock valuation skyrocket. Um, he... There's an SEC investigation if you're even allowed to do that because that influences the value of stock. And, and if it's really even truthful, then uh, there's another thing where he starts getting in this fight with – remember those divers that went into Thailand yeah. because there's a soccer yes. team was stuck? Yes. Yeah. He, he starts calling one of these guys – he's saying he's a pedophile, one of the rescuers. One of the divers? One of the rescuers? Yeah, because he got a little spat over Tesla sending some stuff to – you didn't hear anything. I know they they sent stuff for to the help rescuers, out. Right. Yeah, for, this, this, I think they sent engineers as well. Engineers and capsule. Yeah, okay. and so he had a spat. And uh, Derek, they had this interview with Elon Musk recently. And what I read between the lines, and not so much, was that he's having a nervous breakdown. Um, wow. Almost missed his, his brother's wedding because he was working. Uh, confirmed that he sometimes works uh, four or five consecutive days without leaving Tesla. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and was in tears during this this interview. Did you hear about this, Derek? Yeah, I did. And, you know, unfortunately, what we read about uh, these uh, super successful entrepreneurs are, are unfortunately often teaching people to behave badly. 
Um, and, you know, and, and I empathize. I, I, I had terribly stressful times when, when I was uh, running, you know, a big, large public corporation or starting a company from scratch. And I would sleep at, at work for days on end. And so I can empathize with that. And, and those situations do happen. But uh, there are no excuse for uh, bad behavior. There are no excuse for calling people names uh, that are well-intentioned people. There are no, there are no excuse for, um, you know, uh, spouting off uh, engaging mouth before brain and uh, right. saying, I'm going to take this, you know, Tesla public when uh, people are going to lose money or, you know, or take advantage of other people when you say things like that. And uh, you, you, as a, as a startup founder, have great responsibilities to all the people that are helping you be successful whether you're your customers or your investors or, you know, the community that is counting on you to, to make things better. You have a responsibility and, and you have to take that responsibility seriously and not say, you know, uh, screw you because I'm, I'm so tired. Uh, you got to, you know, give me a pass on being a good person. No, you, you got to hold it together. I'm going to guess one of the responsibilities has to be that you stay true to that vision you had and that thing that keeps you fulfilled within your business. I mean, that's got to be one of your responsibilities because, as you said, you know, you lose that. There's no joy in it anymore. And you're not really going to be successful if you yeah. if you don't have you lose your compass. Yeah. You lose your compass. You lose your your, your being or or. Uh, ultimately, it gets to be all about just money. Yeah, or you know, being the 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 biggest or something, right. and and that you know you're, you you've lost your soul uh, when you when you get there. Now I know in your book, um, besides some of those famous folks, you talk to less well recognized but wildly successful entrepreneurs in their own rights. What are the lessons you learned from those folks? Yeah, well, you know that. There are millions of these super successful uh, entrepreneurs that are such great role models, and and that's the way most of us learn, you know, is by is by seeing role models and and seeing what they do, and 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 sort of filtering and saying, hey, I could do that too, or hey, um, you know, <laughs> I I'm not going to get into trouble like that because I. You know, I, I see what it did to so-and-so. So so I tried to choose uh, entrepreneurs that were counterintuitive to the stereotypes that we have today and that still are such great role models. And, um, and so I tell stories about, um, uh, you know, a person that, that grew up in foster care in the barrio because his mother was so poor, couldn't even support uh, support him. And he goes and ultimately starts a company, 1-800-AUTOPSY, 
that created. <laughs> Did you say one hundred autopsy? One eight hundred autopsy. He created. He disrupted autopsies by and created a whole new industry of private autopsies. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! That's I work closely with one eight hundred got flowers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry to hear about the situation. We're performing the autopsy now. Why don't the you know the people condoling right now take the one eight hundred got flowers? Yeah. Well, you know, consider having Vidal Herrera on your program because he's he's one heck of a a character and a role model in different ways than you would imagine. But uh, oh, I got to track yeah. him down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, so, what so, about Derek? Yeah. I hear nowadays hustle. Grind. Those are the buzzwords. Like you know, hustle harder, grind it out. Um, but I'm hearing maybe that's what Elon Musk was doing a little too much. Is are those words overinflating this this perception that we got to work harder and harder? Is there a better way to become profitable from your research? Uh, well, uh, preparation <laughs> and mm-hmm. and uh, thinking through things ahead of time. Um, increase your chances of success uh, enormously. I mean, enormously. Um, Now, Elon Musk has gone way beyond what anybody would suggest uh, in terms of um, uh, how many businesses he starts at once. You should only start one at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, You the fact that he, he has a hard time keeping people working for him, particularly in key jobs like, you know, head of engineering at Tesla and the like. And the, the, what, you know, the, all the data shows is that, uh, hey, to, to be successful, you need to build a team around you that you trust and can count on to do critical things because you're not as good at doing everything as the you know other people in the world, and they're the ones that you want to attract to your team, so that overall you're the best in the world at what you do. But not any one individual is uh, is essential to your success. And again, Elon Musk has has um, disregarded that. I think he understands it, but he's just he is uh, losing it and forgetting. So many of these basic principles that um, that we we want our aspiring entrepreneurs not to forget, and certainly not to follow in his footsteps. But don't we entrepreneurs get blind to the fact that others are better than us? And I'll give you an example. It happened here last week, Amy. Uh, you were out for a few days, and I was like, "Oh, I'll do some of the shipping, right?" So I step in here, and I'm like, "Oh, we got a problem with the shipping." And so I wanted to show you how to do it, quote unquote, right. You actually had improved, you and Kelsey had improved the process and we're doing it better. So Derek, like I, because I did, when I first started this business, it was just me. Now there's, there's 10 employees here. It was just me. Um, I feel like I can do everything better, faster than everyone else, but that's really not the reality. Is there this blind spot that kicks in because in the beginning we have to do everything else? Yeah. So um, one of the, uh, most valuable skills for an entrepreneur to have is self-awareness. And you know what? It's a skill because we're not born with it. <laughs> and so mm. it, it, it's something that unless we take the time to learn, 
uh, what it is that we're good at and how, how to get better at, uh, at, uh, at whichever skills are going to help us the most. We don't know when to ask for help, and, and we're not very good at figuring out when we're going to get ourselves into trouble. And so self-awareness is, is something that I counsel all my students and all the entrepreneurs that come you know, to me asking for advice is that, um, hey, you know, it doesn't take that long, but, uh, you know, take some time to really understand what are your true motivations? And what are your trades? perfect time for that, actually. College is actually the absolute perfect time. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And all you have to figure out are your motivation, traits, and skills. And, and then you get a great sense of um, what you're capable of, but more important, when you need to ask for help. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So um, I'm learning a lot of tools I didn't expect. So self-awareness you mentioned, but starting one business at a time, preparation, uh, the impact it has on success, knowing what you personally want to get out of the business. But there's got to be a flip side too. There's got to be these misperceptions. People go into business and and they don't understand the tools they need. What are as you're doing the research for your book? What are some of the misconceptions people had when they start? When they think about starting a business. Well, the the the, the single biggest one is that hey, I, I got to think of this idea. You know, where am I going to find my idea? And it turns out that ideas are not such a big thing in terms of entrepreneurial what? success. And well, hold on, I gotta blow up my mind. Oh, I don't have. I thought I had a, a atomic bomb sound here. I don't. I don't. I have a hallelujah. <laughs> really? Like you don't need an idea to start a business? That's not absurd. Really. No. So so um, here it is. The, probably the all-time greatest entrepreneur, Sam Walton. Okay. So Sam Walton, how did he start? He started by buying a bankrupt retail franchise in a tiny little town in Arkansas. Mm. Okay. With, with money that he'd saved up when he was in the army. Okay. And, and his father-in-law helped him out a little bit, but, but it was, it was, it was a small little business with a franchise. You know what? He knew he didn't understand retailing. And so he started with the franchise so that somebody else would teach him. And he was a pretty good student, and he, and he worked diligently. He didn't stay up <laughs> and sleep in his store for two weeks or four weeks at a time. He went home every night to his wife and kids. But, um, but he was committed to making his business better every single day. And so yeah. it was that focus. That is what you find over and over again in super successful entrepreneurs is that they're great at improving things, figuring out what's not working, figuring out how to make it better. And so people that fixate on these ideas, what happens is they get too married to their ideas and they don't change mm. it enough to make them really appealing to a broad enough group of, of users or, you know, customers that you can make a decent profit. And, you know, um, uh, also in today's world, right, uh, when, when everybody thinks to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to raise millions of dollars from venture capital. Well, it, 
when you have millions of dollars from venture capital, then maybe uh, you have a little bit more time to figure out uh, you know, how to change things to make customers want them better. But you still have to change. No idea, no idea ever, ever, ever has come out perfectly uh, suited for the customers that wind up buying it in the end. If they did, all those business plans would work out. I can't tell you how many business plans I've seen that says, you know, with our five-year projection is 100 million, 5 billion, you know, and that's pessimistic. Um, So it sounds like we don't have to have, we don't have to have a specific idea. We have to have a general idea. I can't go to prospects and say, hey, I have something to offer. And they say, well, what is it? I'm like, I don't know yet. Just will you buy? (laughs) I mean, I have to have a general idea, just not be stuck with it. Is that what you're saying? Well, what I, what I say is, uh, hey, you know, you, I'm sure you make people happy. How do you know how to make people happy? And they usually tell me, well, you know, I do and this and this, and I'm really good at that, and that makes people happy. And I say, well, that's a great place to start. <laughs> Matter of fact, that's a fantastic place to start. <laughs> You're way ahead. <laughs> now, now, figure out how to package that. Figure out how to, you know... Um, yeah, test it out. Go go to um, you know uh, farmers markets and rent a little you know booth and and see if you can get lots of people lining up to to want what it is that you have or you know um, go test it out and offer it to to some local businesses and see if they like your you know your skill or. <laughs> Your your web capability or whatever it is, you know, try try it out. Sounds like uh, Eric Reese in his book, The Lean Startup, talks about the MVP, the minimum viable product. Mm-hmm. Try something and sell it to see if you can sell it. Because if you can't make money with it, but sell it before you develop it. Do Do you agree that concept? Kind of sell it before we really even have it, pre selling. <sighs> okay, so. You, you, you've hit a hot button here, okay? Uh-oh, uh-oh. And and I, you know, and I really appreciate Eric Reese and the Lean Startup. It's a good book; people should read it, okay? But it turns out that there are better ways than the MVP. So, Ooh, lay it on me. This is juicy. Okay. So um, designers um, ha- have concepts called rapid prototyping, and rapid prototyping is actually a, a less expensive and faster way to test your ideas uh, and actually get, you know, uh, more demand in the end. And there there are a series of things that, you you know, you you, uh, learn on how to uh, put your idea in front of potential customers as a story and learn and look and observe their emotional reactions to your story. And so you don't need the working prototype at first. As a matter of fact, after you've observed the emotion, so um, using things like storyboards or leading them through, uh, you know, a story on how your service will work, the, the next step is to actually do a Wizard of Oz prototype, what's known as a Wizard of Oz prototype. So you, you don't actually have to write all the program to create your MVP. You can have somebody who's 
on the other end of the software, actually entering the answers as soon as people are asking the questions. So you simulate it. And it's so much easier and so much less expensive to simulate uh, software working or even delivering a service that, um, that you get much more information uh, much faster uh, without having to hire already a team of programmers or, you know, fancy storefronts or the like. And uh, so that's a much better process. Okay. It seems a little, what you said seems slanted toward technology though. What, what about the uh, testing out a concept at the local farmer's market? Does rapid prototyping also work in that environment? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so um, there you, you might only have a few samples of what you made. Okay. So you don't have to have created your, your, you know, uh, commercial kitchen or, you know, invested in that to have your MVP. Um, and, and you can have uh, uh, various, you know, different, uh, can, you know, uh, recipes there and ask people which ones they like best. So, uh, and if you give them a, a taste while you tell them a story about how your great grandmother created this recipe, but then your, you know, cousin uh, rediscovered it in the attic, you know, a hundred years later or something like that, then all of a sudden you've created a rich atmosphere in which better to test wh uh, whether or not that that uh, person is going to come back next week and want another taste and bring bring friends with him or her at the same time. We're starting to run against the clock here, but I do have another, or probably the, I think the most important question. A lot of our listeners are early stage businesses or startups. They all want to be and need to be profitable. What would you say are the most important lessons that you can share, uh, perhaps from your book, Building on Bedrock, uh, that a person should use when starting up a new business to become profitable? Well, the single biggest thing that you can do is just prepare uh, and to yeah. go into it informed. And ultimately, the book is just laid out as the who, what, when, where, how of, uh, uh, of preparing, uh, why you want to do it, where to do it, how much you need, how good you need to be, and, um, and, and just very simply, you know, there's no equations in it or anything like that, but just simply having thought about this entire sequence improves your chances of success dramatically. And what, and when I mean dramatically, uh, you know, your chances of success can be, you know, way above 50-50. Uh, of of making your business profitable very quickly. Mm. That's what we want. That's what we want. Derek, before we let you go, I want people to pick up uh, Building on Bedrock and your other books, Startup Leadership. I believe you're even working on a new one. Where can people learn more about you, Derek? Well, I have a website, uh, DerekLido.com, D-E-R-E-K-L-I-D-O-W.com, one word, Derek Lido. And... Um, I um, write a lot. Uh, I provide a lot of, you know, free little diagrams or worksheets to think through this or that. 
And uh, it's my mission to help people to be successful. And um, as, a, as a professor, I just love to see uh, students or people that come to me uh, uh, benefit from, from learning what so many thousands of people have been working hard to figure out. Here's a qu- crazy question. If someone's walking around campus, they're not a student. Could they like swing by your office one day and say, hey, I got a question for you about entrepreneurship. Do you, do you allow like Happens like all the time. Happens. Does it really? Because yeah. <laughs> I walk around Princeton when I can, when I'm in the area, so just beautiful. to feel smarter. <laughs> I just walk the campus. Trying to absorb it through all the Now I can say I have to meet with my professor. <laughs> the doors open and uh, people knock on my door and say, hey, you don't know me, but I'm, I live nearby. Can I ask you a question? Of course, they, they usually say <laughs> Derek, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my real pleasure. And thank you so much for inviting me. Right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. All right, Amy, here's what we got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to recap what we learned. I forgot to tell you this ahead of time. I don't know if you took any notes. So I did not. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. So don't worry. I'm going to set you up for it. I Shame on me. Uh, but shame on you for not taking notes. <laughs> um, we're going to recap what we learned. We are going to, I think we got some listener mail, right? You're going to share? Yes. From Leslie. Mm-hmm. And um, a few other things. But first. Uh, punch me. That's a punch. Just so you know. Okay. You actually looked like you're, you're like in the face. Like, <laughs> like now, can like, I? Okay, okay. I will because you're kind of a, a creepy asshole in high school. So if I have to punch, I will. Um, okay. I want to thank our corporate partners. Oh, I have a recording of you too on here. You'll you'll laugh. Oh, um, so I want to first thank our corporate partners who make this show a reality. Uh, Receipt Bank. I don't know if you've seen their their tools. Ron uses it all the time. I use it too. It's a scanner for your phone. You can scan in receipts. Oh. So next time you go out, like you and your husband went out for that wonderful anniversary dinner. Yes. At, where'd you go? 99? 90 Acres. 90 Acres. How was that? It was phenomenal. Really ma- good. Really great. How many course meal was it? Actually, this was only a three course meal oh. as opposed to the 28 course meal I did. 28 course. Yeah. Three course meal. How much does that set you back? Can you, can you share? I think it was about. You mean the three the course two meal? The, yeah, yeah, that was. Um, I'd say three hundred. I think. Oh, that's not that bad. No, that's a. Be- I thought you were going to say like eight hundred. No, the the other place. Do was... you remember Ryland Inn? That's familiar. Why yeah, do I know the name? I think is it. Do you remember that, Jeremy J Bone? Ryland Inn. Yeah, he gave me a thumbs up. He's not on the mic, so he can't say anything. Oh, he's but a chef, of course. He's he a chef. Yeah, of course he knows Ryland Inn. My wife and I went there. It was two fifty a head. Yeah. We spent five hundred dollars, and that didn't. Oh, that didn't include the wine. No. Then we had a wine, the wine pairings. pairing, which was another like yeah. 200. I think that 29 course meal thing I went to two or weeks ago. Two or? Two or. That's our two word or today. Three. It's Two or. Oh, no. Now I turned into McCallum. <laughs> um, I think that was $1,000 ahead. Wow. I didn't pay for it. Well, here's the big guess. point I'm getting to. Okay. It's a good thing you didn't pay for it. All those receipts, you or your husband or whoever's working could scan that in if it's a applicable business expense. Scan it right in. Even if it's a personal expense, you That's scan it in. Record. Awesome. Yeah. It connects with your accounting system, files it away for you. Never worry about a receipt again. I've seen Chris's wallet. It's like this thick. It's like this huge <laughs> rock. I thought he had some like ass welt going on. And I know you're into guys with ass welts. Yeah, that's my thing. It's your thing. I know your thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's probably why she's into Chris. <laughs> it's his wallet. It's all those receipts, Jeremy. All oh, those receipts. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, look how thin his. Look yeah, yeah, he's got a super. Paper Jeremy's thin. got a super thin he's one. He's got a system. I have a thin one, but if uh, <laughs> if you want to prevent, <laughs> if you want to prevent ass welts, get receipt bank. The other one's next, Steve. That's a voice over IP phone system. 
Are you ever using the phone here, Amy? I do. I'm an authorized user. I can set people up I, on that. Oh, you've you've even configured it. I've configured it before. How much technical training have you had? I have zero technical training. And yet you're setting and up yet our phones. I have set up the phones here at Profit First. That's pretty amazing, it right? It is really amazing. And it's because a sophisticated system. Very nice people who talk people schmucks like me through things that are really confusing well, yeah i mean listen they walk anyone through i mean you are a schmuck but <laughs> they, they walk they walk anyone through this stuff it is amazing technology it's very affordable um and just extraordinary overall uh and they also prevent ass welts which is ironic <laughs> okay so let's see we got uh that it's time for what did you learn so let me push the button so what did you learn today so what did you learn today so uh, you want to go first i want to go first okay what did you learn um i was really surprised you know it's funny i don't even think of people like walt disney and sam walton as yeah. entrepreneurs i don't know they've been such big business for so it's iconic, long they're right? iconic yeah but really that, that incredible um examples of of bedrock entrepreneurship um uh, i also really loved going back to how you really have to have your heart in it when you're an entrepreneur in order for you to really yes. stay with it. Yes. Yeah, he said um, successful entrepreneurs know what they personally want to get out of the business. And it's about uh, purpose-driven. He goes, be careful, don't lose your soul. What I learned was um, the most important skill is self-awareness, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because self-awareness, I think, also brings about humbleness, which allows you then to surround yourself with other people that are extraordinary in different areas and everyone elevates together. Uh, preparation, you know, he really drove that home with me. I, I've heard it, but this time it connected. He said, preparation, think through it uh, before you do it, and it improves this odds of success enormously. I don't know why when he said enormously, that's like, oh, yeah, preparation, baby. Mm -hmm. And uh, th this was a shocker. You don't need an idea to start a business like that. That is mind-boggling. No, I know. It? Doesn't that crazy? Yeah. It's like, all right, I'm in business. But I kind of understand the lot to morph. I love the concept of rapid prototyping. This is one of my favorite episodes because there's all these different ideas that didn't seem like the standard fare of step one, step two, step three. Very powerful stuff. We also want to know what you learned, our dear listener friends. So um, post that in the review. And if you post it in a review saying, hey, here's what I learned on this episode, and this is why I love this podcast, and you take a screenshot and send it to Kelsey at MikeMcCallowitz.com, we bribe you with a free book. <laughs> all right. Um... Let's play our listener mail. Okay. You've got mail. Pattern baldness. It's <laughs> classic. <laughs> classic. What's our listener mail there? Okay. This comes from uh, Leslie Beauvaird. I'm so sorry if I'm killing your name. Um, she it's, writes, it's pronounced Leslie. It's Leslie. Okay. <laughs> uh, if I just started as a home stager and need inventory to run my business, we don't have furniture rental companies here in Hawaii, I wouldn't realistically start being able to profit until all of my in inventory is paid off, correct? That's correct, Leslie. Um, it depends... First of all, the fact you're in Hawaii is awesome. Um, I have family in Lanai. I don't know if you know. I know you do. A it's, it's a pri legitimate private island. It's owned by um, the founder of Oracle, Larry Ellison, I think his name. Yeah. So uh, if you need to buy stuff to get your business started, and it comes out of your personal pocket, Leslie, meaning like you lend it to the business, that is a loan. Like the same as a credit card company giving you money or something else. Your business is obligated to pay you back that loan of money. So as profit starts accumulating that profit account, when you do your profit distributions, first we do debt payback to the lender, which in this case is you. Once the debt is fully paid back, any profit distributions above that goes right to you. So it's that simple. 
So still, and this is the key, still allocate money into your profit account. Don't wait on that. Start doing it immediately. When the distribution comes out, we're going to use it to pay off debt. This is not a shell game. We want to get in that profit habit immediately. If you say, well, I'm just going to pull it out of expenses as normal and I'll wait on profit, profit may never happen. So start doing it immediately. But Leslie, you are totally correct. And uh, Amy and I will take the invite to uh, Hawaii. We're ready to go. <laughs> do, 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 do. I, didn't, I was trying to do a Hawaiian song there. That didn't work. That was creepy. Um, all right. Do we have anything else, Amy? Uh, I think so. Okay. So I do have a recording of you. I don't know oh if my God. you saw Jeremy was in here earlier. Yes. He arrived early. We set up a microphone on your desk. And we have some funny clips. Oh, great. And I said, Amy, um, you got to do the podcast. And you're like, but I don't know how to do it. What do I have to do? And this is, why I, this is me responding. Do it! Just do it! <laughs> Just sitting there, right? And she goes, but can you give me some insights? Like, is there any techniques? And this is the next recording. Do it! Just do it! She goes, but Mike, I, I told you yesterday I'd be prepared today. And then this is what I said. Do it! Just do it! Yesterday, you said tomorrow. See? There yeah, that's... That's exactly how it went down. <laughs> that's so that's not exactly funny. Exactly how it it's, went down. Oh, my God. That's so not funny. All right, Aim. I think, uh, I think it's time for us to get out of here. All right. Uh, do you want to read off that people can leave comments and ratings? Uh, she says wrap-up music there. Okay, yes. Leave comment and ratings on iTunes, Stitcher, any podcatcher. Yep, and uh, again, send us a screenshot, my friends, of wherever you leave that rating, and uh, we'll send it back to you. Um, and if you want it, listen, send it back to you. I'm sorry. We'll send a book to you. And why not get a book while you wait to get your hardcover of Profit First? You can get Surge immediately now. So go to MikeMichalowitz.com or MikeMotorbike.com and, uh, you know, click on the little icon there at the top of the screen. Get your free copy of Surge. All right, we're out of here, peeps. You can say bye. Bye. Bye.